Welcome back to In the Queue, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I am your co-host, Andrew. And in our last episode, we were talking about Son of Saul and its constantly roving camera style. And I said that I'm more of a guy who likes fixed camera, mm-hmm. you know, a very solid composition to the frame. And in this film, I think I found that. Yeah, you certainly did. I mean, talk about a wide array of directorial styles in two episodes of the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is Phil, your other co-host, and I wanted to say about today's film that it makes the everyday occurrence into an epic adventure. It does. It does indeed. And that epic adventure this week has been brought to us by Isaac, who's joining us from Mexico City. Is that right, Isaac? Yeah, I'm from Mexico City. Thank you for having me on your podcast yeah, thanks for being on the podcast. We're super excited to have you on to talk about this film. Uh, it was kind of a long time coming in, in, in getting you on here. We had a comment from you from ages ago, but we couldn't find any contact information. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry it wasn't until that. you... No, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, when you re-engaged us on our Facebook page, it became easier for us to communicate with you. And then here we are. Yeah. So yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a great journey. Uh, today's film that we're going to be talking about, the one that we mentioned just a moment ago, is a film called Lake Tahoe. Uh, it's uh, directed by Fernando M.K. and was uh, a film from 2008 that prior to you suggesting it, I had not heard of, mm-hmm. uh, which I found to be very curious because I would have thought this to have been a film that would have gotten a lot more notice or at least a lot more play in the festival circuit or or you know the like on the indie channels or or you know wherever yeah but it, it got play in the international festival market uh, yeah for, but not a yeah. lot of attention in the states even though if you'll notice at the end credits the film was probably financed by the sundance institute yeah yeah which is even crazy yeah <laughs> Uh, we'll talk about that film in just a second, but before we do, I'm just going to give you a, an idea of how to find us on the web. Uh, you can find us at our website, which is www.in-the-q, that's the letter q.com. And there you can find all of our episodes posted, as well as a comment section where you can leave us recommendations, and then we'll have you on the show to talk about those recommendations. But if you do leave it on our blog, uh, just uh, sort of give us an idea of how to contact you. Mm-hmm. Alternately, as I just alluded to, you can find us on our Facebook page, which is in the queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. And there you can engage us uh, directly. And because of the magic of Facebook, we can uh, get right back in touch with you. And uh, you can leave suggestions not only for films that you would like to have us watch and talk about and uh, and you know have you come on and be a guest you can also leave us suggestions about the podcast in general or you can Mm -hmm. uh, see any of the supplemental materials that we post for our our movies uh, that tend to sort of fill out your knowledge of the movie or give you some uh, a humorous aside Mm -hmm. something something along those lines Uh, you can also engage us online in conversation on twitter we have a twitter handle which is at itq podcast and there you can tweet at us and engage us in conversation. And finally, you can subscribe to our uh, podcast on iTunes by searching for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. And every new episode will come straight to you. Indeed. So now that we got that out of the way, and before I give a brief summary of the plot of this film, 
Isaac, tell us a little bit about why it was that you recommended this film for us to talk about. Well, I have never met anyone from uh, any other country that is not Mexico who has seen mm -hmm. this film or whose opinion I have uh, heard about this film. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I really love movies and I, I love when a good, make, a good movie represents my country like in a very faithful way. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this did it like no other film I have seen. So it was for me uh, important the opinion of someone who is not from this country about how they think about this film and what they think about about, about uh, the story and everything. Because there are a lot of details in the movie that I think are very, very, very familiar and natural for Mexicans. But I'm mm -hmm. very curious about how it can be perceived by people from outside the country. Well, this should be yeah. a great conversation. Then this should this should be really informative and fun. Uh, the film itself uh, concerns a young boy by the name of Juan, who uh, I'm going to try and do this without really spoiling a lot of stuff in the film. I think it, but it's he, doable. Yeah, I think it's doable. Uh, the sort of inciting incident of the film is that he crashes his car, and then has to. Uh, find the parts to fix the car, notify his family where he is, all the kinds of, as you say, Phil, kind of mundane things that th things that seem everyday occurrences. Ter terrifically mundane. Yeah, everyday occurrences. Uh, but as the film moves forward uh, in a very subtle and gradual way, we gain more and more information about the circumstances surrounding the crashing of this car and the people that he meets and the mm -hmm. uh, and his own inner sort of emotional life. And it's 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 a pretty fascinating film. Um, it's it has to do with grief and dealing with grief and and how one goes about that. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I want to say any more about the plot. I'm sure we'll get into conversations about individual scenes or events that occur in the film. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, well, we could just sort of start with, with our first impressions, uh, yeah, watching absolutely. it and that's when just go from there. I, I, as, as I got deeper into this film, I could not stop thinking about Jim Jarmusch, uh, specifically uh -huh. stranger than paradise, stranger than paradise. Because, I was going to say this film, <laughs> it, it, it covers a lot of the same cinematic territory where the director will have one master shot, to film the whole scene and and he carefully directs the actors to, to, to play it within the confines of that cinemascope aspect ratio and then sometimes there'll be a blackout to transition into the next scene and to show that time has passed and um, that style you know um, it worked it works so well for, for films that you know don't have a really huge budget and and yeah. the, the style of Lake Tahoe is kind of deadpan with these very wide shots, establishing shots, with very little camera movement. It, and there's the same kind of wry sense of humor is there, too. Whereas I would call Lake Tahoe to be a comedic drama, yet IMDb classifies it solely as drama. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but that kind of detachment that you get as a viewer, uh, I think, lends itself to a, a humorous perspective on what's happening. Um, yeah, yeah, and so yeah, I, I, absolutely. I keep thinking about you know how 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 Jarmusch kind of pioneered this quirky indie film style, and 
if you look at the background for Lake Tahoe, the film was screened at the Berlin Film Festival, and mm. it did very well there. And Germans love Jim Jarmusch, so yes, it's, they do. it it just kind of goes to show how this kind of language of cinema crossed cultural boundaries. Yeah, yeah, and I would say that this film actually uh, takes it one step further uh, than Jarmusch necessarily does, because Jarmusch's uh, compositions, while very uh, considered and very deliberate, uh, were not as, generally speaking, especially in that film, not as pa- seemingly painstakingly composed as mm-hmm. this film. I mean, like every film, every every shot in this film, almost with with a few exceptions, I found myself trying to count them towards the end of the film. Are almost every shot is a symmetrical shot, right? It's a like it has symmetrical elements that are balancing the frame on either side of it. And it creates this really kind of Zen kind of state, you know, like it, 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 it manages to echo the, the sort of state of mind of its characters in, mm-hmm. in the, the way that it looks, which is fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, indeed. Um, and I'll say more than that, the, uh, on on your point, Phil, the film is hilarious. Yeah. At points, I mean, it's really genuinely funny, and it does it in that kind of dry, deadpan style. And actually, this may seem like a strange comparison, but I found myself thinking about Napoleon Dynamite from time to time. Like they're like that kind of uh, you know fixed camera with uh-huh. uh, you know sort of very wide shots with people sort of wandering through the frame. We, where something unexpected will happen, and it's, it, I, I was just, I found myself laughing hysterically at points in this film. So, what I was saying about how this is the everyday occurrences of the story kind of morph into an epic adventure, this this type of archetypal story where like you, the hero is trying to accomplish a simple task in a small town sometimes, and just he's being thwarted at every turn. It reminded me of After Hours, the Scorsese movie about, about I, I thought about being that trapped too. in New yeah. York. It reminded me of U Turn with Sean Penn trapped in mm-hmm. that desert town. I mean, it's and I was just sort of curious to hear more from, from Isaac about about how he thinks the film is a universal story about about being in Mexico because I I think that there are definitely elements that you know we can relate to in the states. I mean, everybody has car trouble, no matter where they are. But I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit more, Isaac, about why you feel like the film is like a quintessential portrait of, of where you come from. Well, uh, I I was ready to spoil this, but uh, <laughs> I won't. <laughs> so I will, no, no. I will have to be very careful with my comments because I do want the the, the audience to to look at the film like uh, with no with no spoilers. Mm-hmm. But what I will say about uh, that uh, thing about the representation of my country. It is specifically uh, because this this uh, this film uh, occurs on the countryside, not mm-hmm. really in the big cities. Yeah, right. and on those places, life is so 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 slow, and everything is really like difficult. Like uh, everyday task, uh, uh, it's really difficult to to accomplish because people. I want. I don't want to say they are lazy, but they are used to a very slow kind of rhythm of life and uh-huh. work and. Mm-hmm. Is uh, uh, there are places that uh, you want to go get something at two two o'clock and everything is closed and no one will uh, give you anything, and that is very very uh, important 
part of the story because of the of, of the narrative, especially because it uh, it has a lot to do with the process that the, that Juan is going through in his mind in that moment. Uh, I, I I don't want to spoil, but uh, mm -hmm. I think he he seems kind of lost and he seems very very alone at that point and mm -hmm. feels like no one will help. Like like I need help and no one helps. I mean everyone is just uh, on their own business. And I, I yeah, and yeah. that is I think that's a great scenario for the film. Mm -hmm. This director Fernando Imke, uh, mm -hmm. I think he's from the city because uh, his first film is, in, is situated in Mexico City, and this one is in the Dutch season. Correct. Yeah, yeah, Dutch season. Yeah, yeah. The film, and uh, I think he he chose the perfect scenario for this story, and uh, I I don't know I mean. Uh, beside of the frames being all symmetrical and very very uh, beautiful to watch mm -hmm. uh, he takes the time to show them I mean the actions stops occurring on that frame but we still see the frame for a few seconds more yes. and yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of editing I love it because the art the art direction itself is a big big narrative element of the film I mean it's not just a, a, an aesthetic element but it really tells the story I mean there are some details that the, the director without close-ups like with the wide shot the fixed wide shot you have the time to appreciate all the details and sometimes you say hey th there is something there that is out of place why is that there and then the story goes on and you understand why some elements are there and that's very yeah, yeah. intelligent from him i think that movies like this are often very much appreciated by filmmakers too because um, mm -hmm. filmmakers know the craft they can see what the cinematographer and the director are doing they can see what the editor is doing and they can just kind of enjoy the pleasure of the medium itself unfolding in front of their eyes um, yeah. I was doing some reading about this movie on the IMDb message boards and I, I I came across one thread which was basically expressing frustration with the <laughs> pace of the film and uh, they said that it was basically it, it lingered too long on moments that were unnecessary to tell the story. And one, there's one moment that they brought up in, in particular, and it's the scene early in the film when Juan goes to the old man's house and the old man is eating cereal and his dog is eating at the oh, same no. time. And, I love and that, that so much. And we see the whole meal take place. <laughs> uh, yeah, the dog that eats everything in that bowl. Yeah, and and this guy was saying that he thought that it was it was unnecessary, and and I was thinking like, well, that's that's the color of the film. I mean, I believe. I, I mean, I'm I'm also a filmmaker too, and I often like to include moments in my work that add color, if not advance the story. And I thought that this movie was full of moments that added color and and tonality to the story but I was yeah. wondering what, what you guys thought about the the pacing well I thought the pacing was was perfect um, because I think that I, I think that provided that you don't get bored easily because it does linger for a long time I mean like even the opening series of shots are you don't really know what's what you're supposed to be looking at or what mm -hmm. elements you're supposed to be taking in it's just a series of sort of empty lots and roadways and it's it's you know it isn't until we hear the off-screen crash that we even realize that something has happened or what we were supposed to be paying attention to mm -hmm. and um i think that 
I think that the reason that the pacing is the way that it is uh, is not only to, as you say, Isaac, kind of echo the the kind of life, but also, also as you say, to echo his state of mind. Juan's mm-hmm. state of mind in this in this film is he's in a point in his life where he has to, he's introspective and thoughtful and sad and all of these things, and 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 this. His, his kind of blank expression, the extended takes, the the scenes where he's sitting. I mean, you could even say that the, the scene immediately preceding that when the old man is looking for the phone and then looking for the phone book and he's just sitting there with the dog staring at him. That's when I realized I mean, that was this was a comedy at that moment. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And and that that scene, I mean, that was a long take. That was probably like a two or three minute take uh, at least. And you know that that pacing just sort of draws you into his mind and into his world and i think that it it was great and to your earlier point isaac about the editing not just the visual editing about lingering on things but uh oftentimes it would cut to black or have cut to black and then we would either hear a sound preceding the next scene or extending from the previous scene and and then we would just be left in black or we would it would it would be ushering us into the next scene and so the sound editing as well as the visual editing mm-hmm. echoed this kind of uh rhythm of this world and the rhythm of his mind and the rhythm of his his journey his sort of repetitive you know he goes back to see the same three or four characters yeah. <laughs> over and over and over again and the circumstances change a little bit you know yeah, I I, uh, I I really uh, think they 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 managed to do a perfect mixing of the the elements, like a perfect communication between the areas, like art direction, uh-huh. editing, uh, photography. Like it was all perfectly orchestrated, and so a lot of elements looked like very natural. Like like you would think they went to the place and things were already like that because they are so natural. Like the yeah. the the martial arts fan room and the girls room. <laughs> Everything is like it, it. That's how it will look like in real life. But no, because you can see the elements are uh, carefully placed on the, on on every part of the frame. Yeah, and I think that. Um, that 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 point you were making you you told about the comedic part of the movie well yes it's mm-hmm. a comedy uh-huh. but uh, since uh, i don't know 2003 more or less uh, there was a new wave of mexican film that was really really slow films uh, it was started by carlos regadas with japan and mm-hmm. he he's really artsy his films are slow but very artsy mm-hmm. then came mk that his films are kind of slow but very entertaining. I mean, it's kind of a perfect mixture of entertainment, fun, and 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 I don't know, like a slow pace. Uh-huh. And there's Amate Escalante who is very dramatic. He's, he's very slow, but uh, it's really emotional. Well, uh, disturbing his films. He he talks about uh, narcos and stuff like that, and it's mm-hmm. really emotional. But about this film, uh, there are some moments. Where it's not only fun, but it's also uh, uh, it's it's subtle fun. Fun. It's not not like laugh out loud fun, but mm-hmm. really really subtle. Right. But sometimes, especially in, on some moments, 
the the fun part of the scene like you are thinking oh that's fun that's a fun scene it is uh, abruptly cut to a dramatic uh, moment and and you as an audience you still don't have all the data to understand what's happening but you know by those little details that are happening throughout the film you know you kind of start figuring out what is going on and in that moment, it's a moment that I find really uh, sad, uh, and and that uh, is uh, something that MK does so so well to juxtapose the sadness with the comedy in a way that it really affects you. Like it, I think it would in real life that one moment you are laughing with a friend, and 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 in the next second something happens that reminds you of something very sad. I don't know. It's a perfect mixture of of genres, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I'll I'm gonna say this ahead of time to our listeners, this might result in a spoiler alert if I'm not careful. So uh, it might result in a spoiler. So I'm going to offer a spoiler alert at this point in case I don't do this. But just to address that that point that you brought up, Isaac, there's a particular moment in the film that I thought uh, expressed that perfectly. And it was towards the end of the film. And it was after uh, Juan had come back to his house. Uh, he had seen his mother and he went into his room and heard a noise in the closet. It finds his brother in there, and uh, it's this—it's this kind of wonderful moment of um, kinship and bonding between the two of them that is broken by one of them farting, <laughs> <laughs> and then him standing up and like this—this this kind of ping-ponging back and forth that you're talking about. So it's—it's it, very dramatic to begin with, and then he sort of looks at his younger brother and says, did you just fart? And he's like, yeah, I did. So he stands up and he shuts him back in the closet. <laughs> and then he says, no, 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 don't go away. And then he immediately opens it again. And it goes immediately back to this sort of like heart-wrenching dramatic moment when he says, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. And I was just like, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is so like to be able to navigate that so swiftly, not just, not just directorially, but the, the performances from the actors and from, two young actors, which is hard to get mm-hmm. really excellent performances out of young actors, as we all know. Um, I just thought it was, it was, it was so deft. It was so, uh, well executed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, uh, I think the most powerful scene that really affects me without, uh, I'm trying to not spoil it, but it's the yeah. moment where the girl and, and the, the and Juan are alone in the room and, and it seems like they are going to have sex. But uh, the reaction of, of, of Juan to the girl's uh, yeah. invitation to have sex is really, I don't know, it, I think it's really emotional because it mm-hmm. it uh, really, I think that's the, 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 the very point that you as an audience feel the same way as Juan, like, oh my God, uh, <laughs> I needed that. And, yeah. and I yeah. think it's really affecting and beautiful. One of my favorite parts of the film um, it sort of reflects how the film is so deft because it'll it'll linger on the same unbroken shot for several minutes um, and it's almost like you feel like you you're, you're getting it you understand what you're what the director is trying to show you and it's almost like you know in, in a way it's almost like you you might crave more movement or, or more activity on the screen um, but when Juan goes with the old man to try and find the old man's dog, which is run off, there's such a great understated moment in the story that was so beautifully left silent 
and and not explained that I, I just the scene kept going and I was a little bit worried that that the characters were going to address the fact that the dog was now happier with its new owners than it was with the old man but those yeah. but that that idea was never expressed you get the idea because of the expression on the old man's face as he looks at the dog when it's playing with its new owners and this is a film that does not have very much in the way of close-ups but that was one of the few shots where the faces of the characters were really utilized to tell the story and to convey the emotion and that and i really thought that that was a wonderful touch on the part of of mk to um to communicate something without making it too ham-fisted. Yeah, and and you mentioned earlier, Phil, at one point that um, the camera is, for the most part, stationary. There are very few camera movements in this film, mm-hmm. but when they happen, they 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 really affect you. Like they they have uh, like you notice them. Yeah, right. Because the the camera is so stationary. Uh, whenever it actually does start to move. You're, you're very aware of it. And I'd actually like to go back to the film at some point and, and pinpoint those shots and see what context they have and, and what, you know, what it is that they are, uh, accomplishing because I don't know that on the first glance, I, I, I drank it all in. Well, I think the most dramatic camera move is takes place after Juan and his friend, uh, see the, the movie and they're Uh they're sitting outside the theater at night and there's a, a very pronounced dolly move, although I think it's dolly in on mm-hmm. Juan while his new buddy is practicing his martial arts moves and trying to get yeah. him to, to, to spar with him. And, um, and there's something going on inside Juan, and you'll see based on his actions in that scene. But the camera movement, um, Jean-Luc Godard said that um, camera movement is emotion. And, yeah. and whenever there's a dramatic camera movement, it does stir the soul. And, the, and when you've got a film like this one, as Andrew was saying, where they're mostly the camera is stationary, a movement such as that, I definitely noticed it when I saw the film. There was yeah. another one that was very, very subtle, which is when Juan is, I think, going to talk to his mother while she's in the bath. And yes. the camera is kind of very slowly... Very, very slowly. I had to look at the edges of the frame to see if it was actually yep, moving. Yep, but it was yep. <laughs> very slowly moving into the bathroom, and she was hidden behind the, the curtain. Um, and But those were the only two moments that come to mind that I can think of. There's, there was... Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, there is a moment where... I, I don't remember if it's this where when uh, he's looking still for a, a mechanical workshop for his car. Yeah. But there is a scene following him through the streets... And we get yep. to see a, a, a building complex, like in new houses. Uh, they they are kind of uh, I don't know colorful, and and that that oh, I I can think of that moment too where the camera like dollies to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's in, it's parallel with him as he's going down yeah, the street. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there is a moment uh, the camera doesn't move, but I love that because it is a moment where the uh, where the camera fixed in one point you can see three rooms at the same time like the moment yeah. when he goes to see his mom you can see him entering through the kitchen door then going through a, a room then going to her mom's room i think mm-hmm. to, to yeah. the bathroom door and that, i think that's very intelligent camera placement and, and uh, choreography inside the scene yeah and and uh production design as well because looking at that shot i was i was 
at this point in the film, I was noticing every shot and I, I was sort of, you know, just kind of in awe of how well balanced it was. And when it came to that shot and it was three rooms and you could see outside the front door and uh, it, it's it, the center of the frame was the corner of the the wall where the walls come together in the room. And it was so perfectly balanced, but it seemed balanced in in that sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Renaissance sense, right? Like like Renaissance painting that would uh, disappear to a vanishing point. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was... It was such a, a striking shot. I was actually quite taken by it. I really liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. I thought it was overall. Um, I wonder if maybe I got more enjoyment out of it than some other people because I, I do appreciate filmmaking as a as an art form. Um, I think I definitely appreciated it more than that guy on the Internet Movie Database message board <laughs> who complained <laughs> no, that it was no. that it was too slow. But um, I really kind of fell in love with the pacing of it, and it reminded me of of movies that were around in the 2008 era. Uh, it reminded me of movies that I saw uh, in, in 2008 and earlier. Um, movies that kind of like it also reminded me a little bit of George Washington by David Gordon Green. Yep. Um, yep. And it just kind of it just kind of reminded me of that type of sort of story that. Obviously, this this the filmmaker did not have a huge budget, but he used his skills to tell an interesting story and to do so in an artistic way. Um, so I was actually, you know, really pleased by the movie, and and I'm glad that you know we were able to to discover it finally. Yeah, I I too was incredibly pleased by it. I thought that it was really excellent, and and as you say, Phil, when you when you when a film reminds me like we're sitting here comparing it to a lot of other really excellent films and it's not because it's derivative or mm-hmm. it's trying to copy the style of those films or anything like that. This feels very, uh, you know, of, uh, uh, it feels very unique, right? This feels like an auteur made it. It feels like, yeah, like somebody with a, with a unique vision created it. But the reason that it echoes those, <laughs> the reason that we praise it with, uh, with, it reminding us of those great films is because it, it, it's great in the same ways, you know, it's great for those, those same reasons. And I, I found myself uh, thinking of, of many other, some of my favorite films of the last few years, the Rover mm-hmm. mud, mm-hmm. like these, these kind of uh, the kind of films that I really like slow patient, you know, uh, sort of, films that slowly unfold over a period of time. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, th- I found it to be a really interesting film. I'm super glad you brought it to us, Isaac, because I don't know that I ever would have watched this or gotten the, the opportunity to watch it unless somebody had just in my life had suggested it to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a really quite an interesting film, uh, quite enjoyable to watch. Good all around. Yeah, I'm glad you like it. Uh, that director is, I, I really expect to see great teams from him because he has really gone better with time. That, that yeah. moment when I suggested this film, I hadn't yet seen his last film that is called Club Sandwich. And when I yeah. saw it, I really was blown away because it is really more mature and uh, it, it is kind of more subtle if it, that is possible. And it is a kind of, uh, I don't know if less funny but funny in a not so uh, uh, obvious way. Like it is, mm-hmm. the humor is a little more subtle. 
there is this short film he did uh, at the same time that he did Toxisa. Uh, it's called The Look of Love, and the name is uh, in English. And it's a, it, it all happens when just one shot, and I think like three dialogues and, and just one actor, like uh, looking at one actor. And it's kind of very powerful, and I, I got chills just thinking about this short film. Yeah, it lasts like uh, 20 seconds. I, I think it's very intelligent. That, that wow. director is very economical in his uh, use of uh, actors, dialogues, and uh, photography. I, th I think he will get to be known by a lot of people soon. I mean, he's on his yeah. way. Well, I'm going to try, so. try and track down that 20-second short film and see if we can post it on our Facebook page after this episode. Because yeah. that sounds, you know... That sounds great. Sounds fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and I I just want to say that I I do hope that he uh, he is known more or that there is more uh, recognition because I think that films like this uh, deserve to be seen. I think that uh, they deserve to have a bigger audience. And of course, you know, Mexican filmmakers recently have been had a great amount of success in the states. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, it's unfortunate that the states is sort of the the bar that we set for, <laughs> for, you know, quote unquote success in film, right? Because there's so much great film being made all over the world mm -hmm. um, that it, it's a, it's a shame, but you know, it's one of those things where I, I just hope that we get to see a lot more from him and we get to see a lot more interesting stuff being made. You know? Well, I think that this show is the platform that MK needs to finally achieve <laughs> worldwide success <laughs> And, and notoriety, I think it's all going to happen to him after this episode is published. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, thanks, Isaac, again, for uh, for bringing it to yeah. us. Oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It was, a, it was a pleasure to talk to you about this film. And we hope that you'll recommend more films for us in the future. Because yeah, we'd love to, to talk to you about whatever it is that you got out there. Bring <laughs> us more gems. I have a lot <laughs> of ideas. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> great, great, great. So, listeners, you can join us. Uh, that that was our episode on Lake Tahoe, uh, the film from 2008. As I said before, uh, it was directed by Fernando MK. That's I M. I'm sorry, E I M B K E B C K E. Yeah. Let's try that again. E I M B C K E. <laughs> and uh, this movie's on Netflix too. The, yeah, the movie is on Netflix, uh, so you can get a hold of it. Uh, please join us for our next episode when we will be talking about the new Cloverfield film, 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is tangentially related to the previous Cloverfield film, but in very interesting ways. So it should be a fun conversation. Uh, we hope you'll join us for that episode, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one. Thank you.